Please open your Bibles to John chapter 9. Last time we finished up with chapter 8, and today, Lord willing, we will be studying through all 41 verses of chapter 9. But as we came out of chapter 8, we saw how a group of men had picked up stones and were about to throw them at Jesus. But we saw in verse 59 of John chapter 8 there that Jesus hid himself and he passed right through the midst of them and he went out of the temple. But we'll see here that Jesus didn't go very far away because uh, verse 1 of chapter 9 here says, Now as Jesus passed by, he saw a man who was blind from birth. So here again, this is a situation where as we come out of chapter 8 and into chapter 9, we see that nothing is going to happen to Jesus until his time comes. These men that were coming against him were not going to be able to harm him because he still had work to do in the hearts of people, as we'll see here in this chapter. But verse 1 here says that he saw a blind man. Now, needless to say, the blind man didn't see him. And that may sound a little bit like a joke, but today, you know, there are still many people that are not seeing Jesus. They have been spiritually blind by the God of this age, like we discussed last time when we looked at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, where it says that the gospel is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So here Jesus has come upon a physically blind man, but a spiritual application of this for today is that blindness still exists in the hearts of many people in regards to who Jesus Christ really is. Verse 2 here says, And his disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, as we read this question here uh, from the disciples of Jesus, what is it that they were really asking? As I look at this, they were asking, why? Why is this man suffering with blindness? The disciples thought that it must be the result of sin, either his own sin or the sin of his parents. But verse 1 tells us that he was born blind, so how could his blindness be a result of his own sin unless he sinned in the womb, right? But if that were the case, then you can think back to Genesis chapter 5 and if you've ne or excuse me Genesis chapter 25 and if you've never read it, you can go back and you can read about Jacob. You know, now if anyone should have been born blind because of sin in the womb, then Jacob should have been born, born blind because he grabbed uh the heel of his twin brother when his twin brother was on the way out of the womb, right? Okay? So there's a little sinner right there for you in the womb, but this man's blindness had nothing to do with a sinful act. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Okay, so... 
Jesus here didn't get into a deep theological discussion with his disciples because his time on the earth was very short. And while he was here, he was focused on doing the work of God in this dark world. And there, there's a whole nother study for us that we can do on the subject of uh, why sin and death is in the world. But we'll save that for another time. But you see, this blind man's misery opened the way for ministry. And for you and I today, when difficult and tragic times come our way, as believers in Jesus Christ, we can rest assured that if we stay the course and keep focused on Jesus, He will do a good work even in the midst of our tragedies. I personally have seen it time and time again in my life. And Jesus is simply going to stay His course here. He's going to keep on accomplishing the good works that He can accomplish as the light of the world. Verse 6, when he had said these things, he spat on the ground and made clay with the saliva, and he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said to him, go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is translated sent. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So there in verse 6, Jesus, the light of the world, initiated contact with this man. He reached out and he touched him. In verse 7, he gives the man a command and the man obeys the command. And for the first time in his life, he sees the light. That is the way of our Lord. As God in the flesh, he initiated contact with mankind. And like this blind man, we have the choice to push him away or allow him to work on us. But, we must submit to his work and follow his commands that are given to us throughout his word. And as we do this, our eyes are opened so that we can see the light of the truth of his word and his will for our lives. And you know, when this takes place in your life, it will have an impact not only on you, but on others around you as well. Look at verse 8. Therefore, the neighbors and those who previously had seen that he was blind said, Is not this he who sat and begged? Some said, This is he. Others said, He is like him. He said, I am he. So the people saw the impact of Jesus on this man's life. And to some of his neighbors, he was almost unrecognizable. The man answered them and said, Yes, it's me. And that's the kind of impact Jesus has when he changes a person, when he, when he causes your, your blind spiritual eyes to all of a sudden see, because you obey the commands within his word, because you follow the truth within his word, you surrender to Jesus Christ as the good shepherd, as we'll study in a couple of chapters. At that point, the impact on your life is so great that others around you will say, he, he's not who he used to be. She's not the person that she once was. What happened? Well, what happened is Jesus touched your life. Verse 10, therefore they said to him, how were your eyes opened? 
He answered and said, A man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. So I went and washed, and I received sight. So we are seeing here, recorded in the Bible, an example of the impact of Jesus Christ on the life of just one man. But you know, throughout all of history, till this day, Jesus still continues to impact the lives of people. As you listen to this podcast, and and I've mentioned it before, uh, we could probably write a three-part novel on how Jesus has impacted our lives in an individual way. But when we have come to that place where we have finally seen the light, It'll be so evident to those around us that it will cause them to know Jesus for themselves. Look at the impact the 33 men trapped underground in Chile had on the world. But you know, I can see a a really neat spiritual analogy in that event. They were trapped in darkness. They had some light, but it wasn't the light of the sun. It wasn't the, the real light. They needed to be rescued. And you know, a way was made for them to escape. And one man was sent down to bring them medical aid and to prove to them that there was a way of escape. The way was now open. When they sent that medic down, he was the first man to ever get in that tube for that particular hole and to to test it. Imagine what what must have been going through his mind. He came down. But you know, when he came down and he broke through their ceiling down there, they all of a sudden saw that, hey, there is a way out. It's open. You know, but any one of them could have said, no, thanks. That's all right. I'll stay here. I've grown to like it here. And I don't want this salvation that you are offering me. But of course, Each one of them wanted to be raised up, so they got on board and were set free. Oh, if people today would just open their eyes to the Savior that has come down, has opened the way to eternal life. He has done all that He can do to open the way of salvation. He Himself became like us and entered our dark world, and He Himself is our way of escape. We simply need to get on board by placing our faith in Him. So, these people here are astounded to see the change in this man. And verses 12 through 13 here says, Then they said to Him, Where is He? He said, I do not know. They brought him who formerly was blind to the Pharisees. I believe, you know, that these people were excited about what had happened to this man. And they bring him to the temple to kind of show him off here. But the Pharisees are probably still holding the stones of hatred that we saw at the end of chapter 8. And and verse 14 here says, Now it was the Sabbath when Jesus made the clay and opened his eyes. Then the Pharisees also asked him again how he had received his sight. He said to them, He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. Do you see how simple this man's testimony is right here? He put clay on my eyes, and I washed, and I see. That's it. 
your testimony of what Jesus has done in your life, if you are listening and you are surrendered to Jesus Christ, your testimony of what Jesus has done in your life is no more difficult to give than that. He touched your life in some way or another. You obeyed His Word and your eyes were opened to the truth that set you free from the bondage of sin. And if you want to know how you can impact someone with the truth about Jesus, I suggest that you start by telling them the simple truth about what Jesus Christ has done for you. Verse 16, Therefore, some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, because he does not keep the Sabbath. Others said, How can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. You see, some of these religious people are sticking to their codes and their ordinances by complaining again about Jesus healing a man on the Sabbath. We saw them do the same thing back in John chapter 5. In chapter 8, they told Jesus that he had a demon. But now some of them are starting to wonder how a so-called sinner can do such miraculous works. And it says there that there was a division among them. Now, with that in mind, let's turn to Luke chapter 12. Luke is one book to the left of where we are here in the Gospel of John. And we're going to look at chapter 12, and we're going to read verses 51 through 53. So Luke chapter 12, verses 51 through 53. Okay? Jesus is speaking here, and he says, Do you suppose that I came to give peace on earth? I tell you not at all, but rather division. For from now on, five in one house will be divided, three against two and two against three. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law and daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. You see, when Jesus came into his earthly ministry, his coming caused division. And now, even though we have the Word of God, there is still division over the topic of Jesus Christ. Men and women refuse to accept the biblical truth of who Jesus really is, so they have either created a religion that teaches things the way they want to hear them, or they have simply denied Jesus altogether. You see, Jesus divides households because some choose to believe in Jesus and receive him, and others decide that they want to remain in their sin. So, as a result, there's division. And you know what? The second coming of Jesus will be the greatest of all divisions because those that belong to Christ will be out of here and will ever be with the Lord. And those that do not belong to Christ will be eternally separated from Him. And it's ironic how today the world is striving for peace, but it will never find it until they find Jesus. Then they will have peace within. It's a different kind of peace. Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27, you can go ahead and turn there if you'd like, back in the Gospel of John, 
chapter 14, verse 27. He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. So you see, there's the distinction between the the kind of peace that Jesus brings and the kind of peace that the world is looking for. Jesus said, don't suppose that I came to bring the kind of peace you're looking for. But he does tell us here that he brings a peace. And that peace is an internal peace. It's not external. It's internal. It starts within our hearts. And that verse, verse 27 goes on there to say, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So you see, that's the kind of peace that Jesus brings. It's the kind of peace where deep within your heart, you are not troubled and you are not afraid. That's a totally different kind of peace than what than that peace that the world seeks after or our musical groups sing about. It's a totally different kind of peace that Jesus brings. And you know, it's kind of sad, but the world has, at Christianity, I should say, in many cases has, has tried to blend those, those two pieces, if you will, together. But it's totally different. It's a different kind of peace that Jesus brings. The name of Jesus is always going to bring division in this world because the God of this world, Satan, the little G, not the capital G God, but the little G God, the one who we read about in Corinthians 4, who is blinding the eyes of people, you know, that God don't like the name of Jesus. He don't want the name of Jesus in our public schools. He don't want it, uh, you know, in, in prayer gatherings and things like that. He don't want it. So he's going to fight against that because If people come to know Jesus, they come to have a peace in their heart. And they they come out of this world system. And they're totally changed like we're seeing with this blind man back in John chapter 9. Go ahead and turn there. But this situation, though, of Jesus healing this blind man back in John chapter 9, there's division amongst these people as to who Jesus really is. In verse 17, says, they said to the blind man again, what do you say about him? Because he opened your eyes. He said, he is a prophet. Okay, so back in verse 11, this blind man said, a man called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash. But now he has gone from calling Jesus a man to calling him a prophet. That's the impact that Jesus has on the heart of a person. To some people on this earth today, they say Jesus was just a good man. But to those whom he has touched, he is so much more. You see, this man had a personal experience with Jesus. And that's why he knows Jesus a little differently than everyone else around him. The same holds true for us today. But we mustn't shy away from expressing to those around us what Jesus means to us personally. Verse 18, But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him who had received his sight. So these Jews just refuse to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, so they needed to do something to discredit this miraculous work 
that has taken place. They wanted to prove that this was just a hoax or something and that it didn't really happen. So they called the parents in. And verse 19 says, And they asked them, saying, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? So here they're trying to cast doubt. Their first question was, Is this your son, who you say was born blind? They were hoping maybe to prove that even the parents were in on this whole thing. The second question they asked is, How then does he now see? This same question regarding this man's healing is asked four times in this chapter. The interesting thing is that people keep asking how, 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 how was he healed? How does he see? How is this? But you know, how this man was healed is not what was important. The important thing is who healed this man. This man didn't know how it happened. All he knew was that it was a man called Jesus that he now believed was a prophet. Nicodemus, do you remember him back in John chapter 3? He tried with all his might to understand how a person could be born again. But there again, the answer is not found by figuring out how. The answer is, is in the who. You see, it all comes back to being all about Jesus. So this man, or excuse me, this this blind man, he couldn't explain the how, and nor could his parents. Look at verse 20. His parents answered them and said, we know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. Okay, so there they confirm two things. Yes, This is our son. Yes, he was born blind. You see, it's it's an important fact that he was born blind. Because if it were the result of sickness or disease or something like that, they, they could have just said, well, he got better. His sight naturally came back. And they could have discredited Jesus. But that wasn't the case. So now, these Jewish religious leaders, they had some explaining to do. They had to figure it all out. Verse 21, but by what, the parents continue on here in verse 21, but by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So you see, this is how the synagogue was run in that day. It was run with an iron fist. The people feared being put out of the synagogue because that meant they would lose their right to come to the temple and pray, and their families would disown them and shun them. Today, many religions that deny that Jesus is God use the same tactics to keep their followers from leaving their churches. People are afraid to leave many churches today. They think, well, this church is the only way. This is the true church, or this is the only church that is doing things the right way. I'm going to stay here. So his parents here, this blind man's, this once blind man's parents, they just passed the buck here. 
And they told him, ask, ask your son for, for yourself. Ask him. So, verse 24. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, Give God the glory. We know that this man, speaking of Jesus, capital man there, capital M, is a sinner. So in essence here, these Pharisees are warning this man not to give any credit to Jesus for this miracle. They are setting their minds that they are not going to believe that Jesus is God. But this man stands his ground. He answered and said, in verse 25, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. You see, there's no denying the work of Christ. In the life of this man. His eyes had been opened. You know, it's sad, but many people have come to a place where they have seen the truth about Jesus, but they get pressured into saying or doing something else. Our faith in Jesus will be tested to the max. The presser to deny will become stronger and stronger as our society becomes more and more defiled. Complacency takes root in the hearts of the Christian people. And then compromise becomes the road most traveled. And our society decays more and more because we just continue to to accept what this world has to offer. And we continue to allow them to push the name of God, the name of Jesus Christ out of our schools. We allow them to, 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 to take, you know, prayer out of schools. But you know, if you look at this man here that we're reading about, this man stood on the facts that Jesus healed him. It's plain and simple. Where are you in your stance for Christ today? If you claim to be a Christian, if you claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, are you withstanding the pressure or are you caving in? Are you proclaiming the name of Jesus? Or are you caving in to the society around you and the way they're painting Jesus to be? For this man here that was once blind, the pressure continues. Look at verse 26. Then they said to him again, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? So there again, you see, they're still wanting to know how. They refused to just believe in Jesus, the who, who it was that, uh, that healed this man. They just wanted to discredit what has happened to this man, so they keep prying at how, how he did it. Verse 27, he answered them, I told you already, and you did not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? You know, this question was probably asked by this man out of frustration at this point, but it's a good question nonetheless. If people keep asking you about the work of Jesus in your life, it could be a sign that they too want to know Jesus. 
So pay attention to that when that happens in your life. But unfortunately, we'll see here that these Jewish men, these religious leaders, remain steadfast in their hardened hearts. Verse 28, Then they reviled him and said, You are his disciple, but we are Moses' disciples. We know that God spoke to Moses. As for this fellow, we do not know where he is from. The man answered and said to them, Why, this is a marvelous thing that you do not know where he is from. Yet he has opened my eyes. Now, now we know that God does not hear sinners. But if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, he hears him. Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. They answered and said to him, You were completely born in sins. Are you teaching us? And they cast him out. So this guy that was once blind is now beginning to understand and see things more clearly. And he gives these Jewish men a wonderful teaching. They are calling Jesus a sinner. And because this man was born blind, they say that he was born in sin. But in reality, um, this is something that has been known in scriptures for, for many, many years. This is all prophesied within scripture. He tells them there in verse 31 that God does not hear sinners. Let's, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 1. Um, Isaiah's in your Old Testament, right after the Song of Solomon, and just before the book of Jeremiah. So Isaiah chapter 1, and we're going to read verses 10 through 15. Okay, so hopefully you're there. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hand to trample my courts? Bring no more futile sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of assemblies... I cannot endure iniquity in the sacred meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them when you spread out your hands. I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. So this man back in John chapter 9, he knew from these scriptures probably that God does not hear the prayer of sinners. And you know, while we are here in Isaiah, let's look at a few more prophecies that speak to what we're seeing taking place here in the Gospel of John. Turn to Isaiah chapter 29. Isaiah chapter 29, and we're going to look at verses 18 through 19. Verse 18, Isaiah 29. In that day the deaf shall hear the words of the book, 
and the eyes of the blind shall see out of obscurity and out of darkness. The humble also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Okay, prophesying of this time where we're now seeing in John chapter 9. Go ahead and turn up to Isaiah chapter 35. Isaiah chapter 35. We're going to read verses 3 through 5. Another prophecy in regards to Jesus. It says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. And since we can never get enough of God's word, let's stay here in Isaiah and turn up a few more chapters to Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah 42, and let's go ahead and read verses 1 through 8. It says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my elect one, in whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. He will not cry out nor raise his voice nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoking flax he will not quench. He will bring forth justice for truth. He will not fail nor be discouraged till he has established justice in the earth, and the coastlands shall wait for his law. Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk on it, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness and will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles, to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. I am the Lord. That is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. So three times there, Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would open the eyes of the blind. And turning back now to John chapter 9, this man that was once blind is one of the beneficiaries of fulfilled prophecy. And he is teaching these religious folks that Jesus indeed has come from God because never before has there been a man that can do the works that Jesus has done. And for this, what happens to him? They cast him out of the synagogue. His parents were too afraid to stand up, but he wasn't. And Jesus wasn't done with him yet. Look down at verse 35 and 36 of John chapter 9. It says, Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And when he had found him, he said to him, do you believe in the Son of God? He answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? Remember, this is the first time here that he is seeing Jesus. Okay, Verse 37, And Jesus said to him, 
You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. Then he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshipped him. So even though he had not yet seen Jesus, this man, in the face of all of that um, pressure from those religious men, he stood on the facts about the wonderful thing that Jesus Christ had done in his life. And you know what? It cost him his right to the synagogue. But now the Lord has rewarded him by allowing him to use this brand new sight of his to see the long-awaited Messiah. This is what they all were waiting for. And this man was now seeing God in the flesh. And he did what all of us should be doing in regards to Jesus falling down and worshiping him for the mighty work he has done to, to give us salvation. You know, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, your faith will be tested. But will you stand your ground in the midst of that testing? Will you stay the course, even if it causes you to get kicked out of some religion you may be in? If you do, there will be a reward someday. And that reward is you will see Jesus with your own eyes. Stay the course. Stay focused on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. It's not about man-made religion. It's not about our rules and our regulations. It's just simply all wrapped up in one man. The God of all creation became flesh. And it's all about Jesus. And then in verse 39, Jesus declares to this man the result of his coming to the earth. And Jesus said, for judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made blind. You see, the reason Jesus came, you can find in John chapter 3, verse 17, where it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. But the result of Jesus' coming is that judgment has come. You see, Jesus enters the world and now sin is being judged. And people must make a decision as to who Jesus is. The ones that believe he is the Son of God will have their spiritually blind eyes open. And the ones that think they already have all the answers and are, you know, they're, they're spiritually blind for not believing in Jesus. So that's what Jesus is, is saying here. For judgment I have come into this world that those who do not see may see, and that those who see may be made more blind. You see, if you create your own religion, or you, or you do things your own way, and you say, well, here's, here's what I believe about God, and here's what I have to say about it, or here's what my church has to say about it, well, and you're not looking to the Word of God itself, and you're not seeing who Jesus really is, why He really came, what He has done, then you may be spiritually blind and not even know it. You may just be following a religion or a man's way of doing things. But, you know, you, you've heard this said before, and, and there are people that, that actually mock this, but the fact remains is that when it comes to Jesus, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's about knowing Jesus. 
It's about knowing Him in your heart, allowing Him through His Word to open your spiritually blind eyes. Verse 40, Then some of the Pharisees who were with Him heard these words and said to Him, Are we blind also? Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, We see, therefore your sin remains. You see, the religious people believed that they had it all together. After all, like they said, we are disciples of Moses. They had the law, but you know, they were a bunch of hypocrites. They were too blind to see that the law pointed them to the Messiah, and he was right there in their midst. Many people today think that their religion is the answer. They believe that their religion is the how when it comes to getting to heaven. How do you get to heaven? Well, you got to be part of a religion. Well, what church do you go to? Well, I go to this church. Well, do you know I go to this church? Oh, well, no, our church is the true church. No, our church is the true church. All these different, how do you get to heavens? But it's not about how. It's about who. And the sad part is, is we'll all find that out someday when it comes to, to heaven. The question isn't how. The question is who. And Jesus is the who. He is the one that opened the way. So the answer then is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, we thank you again for your word. And I thank you for all those that are listening. Lord, you know each and every heart. You see what what we as men and women on the earth cannot see, Lord. You see deep within our hearts. You know each and every person, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us will continue to grow in the grace and in the knowledge of you, that we will open your word, that we will study your word, that we will rightly divide the truth of your word, that we will know who you are. And Lord, if we are believers in you and we are sitting in complacency, Lord, then cause us to stand. Cause us to to stand up and go against all the pressures of this world, just as we see in this blind man who stayed the course of just saying, I once was blind, but now I see, even with the threat of being kicked out of the synagogue, Lord. Oh, Lord, that we would stand for you, Jesus, against all else and for you, Jesus. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. And we thank you for this time in your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.